AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain markets made a nice recovery from yesterday's price slide. Corn and wheat got back a chunk of the declines. Eh, But the soybean market still has some work to do to get those losses back. We are live at the Top Producer Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, talking markets and biofuels. Coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we begin with the conversation with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. Then we'll speak with Julie Bussey from the National Corn Growers Association and Kelly Newenhouse from the Iowa Corn Promotion Board. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. You know, every time we go someplace, everybody always asks, is Davis really that handsome? Uh-huh, uh-huh. What do you tell him? Yes. I mean, how do you describe? You've seen me. I tell me. him he is every bit as good looking as he says he is. Ah, uh, you're underselling it. You're underselling it. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Make it not sing, anymore. Baby. I'm not. <laughs> oh, Davis, man, I am fired up here in Nashville. Attaboy. This is a ton of fun, buddy. I don't blame you. A yeah, ton I don't of fun. Blame you. I, I, I do wish you were here because the the conversations that are happening here are are fantastic. Uh, yeah. We're getting a lot of. We've got a lot of people that have come up and said, hey, listen, I appreciate what you guys are doing on the air, keeping people informed with what's going on in the markets and the issues and the policies and everything. And, boy, I tell you what, they appreciate you just as much, man. Well, thanks for the say-so, everybody. Uh, We we couldn't be here without you, so thanks very much. You know, and the thing is, I would love to be there as well. I've been to a few of these, but but it was just deemed, you know, prudent that should something happen i mean nobody really knows how radio works (laughs) and so if if your signal not even marconi not even marconi (laughs) no if your signal should suddenly go dark somebody's got to be able to jump on and continue to uh to keep the show alive you know yeah and i'm that guy i'm that guy you are that guy and you know when we're dealing with on-site guests Rather uh-huh. than, you know, somebody in on the phone or something like that. Right. If it goes dark from here, it goes really dark. Very dark. Very, Very dark. Yeah. Lights completely out. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, then, then we, all get to, we all get to listen to uh, Davis tap dance on the air for a little while. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I have to, I'll, I'll sing some ELO. If it comes to that, I mean, <laughs> you know things have gone horribly wrong if I break out the ELO. Yes, just keep the keyboard handy, okay? <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Let's get to the news. Well, Chip, wheat futures traded solidly higher on an upside correction after prices touched a 16-month low in Monday's session. There is a chance for precipitation from West Texas up through Oklahoma in the next few days. But crop watchers are also concerned about a plunge in temperatures on a crop that is vulnerable to winter kill. March SRW wheat futures opened on session lows and closed near session highs while posting an inside trading day. March HRW wheat futures 14 and three quarter cents higher, but 8.33 and three quarters. March softwood wheat up 14 and a half cents, 7.34 and a half. March spring wheat closed at 9.03, up 15 and one quarter cents. Chip, I was afraid we were threatening a six handle in the March SRW yesterday. Up 14 yep. and a half today feels pretty good. Yeah, got it back. 
no question about that. And it was a willing rally. And, you know, uh, Jack Scoville yesterday when we talked with him, he, he summed it up really well when he said we put some lipstick on a pig of a day mm-hmm. in, that, uh, in the wheat market and in the corn market with those mid-range closes. The mid-range closes gave us some support into today's trade. Well, the ability of corn futures to recover from yesterday's price washout and to close mid-range generated some upside momentum for today's trade. USDA added some fuel to the price advance with its announcement of a 130,000 metric ton corn sale for delivery to unknown destinations. Most crop watchers also agree that while last week's rains in Argentina will help stabilize corn yields, more rains are needed to give late-planted crop a fighting chance at average yields. March corn futures opened slightly higher with near-session lows and pushed to the upside to close near-session highs and above resistance at yesterday's high. March corn futures 10 and 3 quarter cents higher, 677. May corn Man. up 10 and a quarter, 675 and a quarter. July corn futures closed at 664 and 3 quarters, up 10 and 1 half cents, Chip. It's getting it all back. I, that market did a really nice job recovering from that low that we posted yesterday. Now we've got the upside momentum going behind us. Well, soybean meal futures tried to push to the upside today, but soybean oil was dragged to the downside by losses in crude oil futures. That left soybean futures caught in the middle for a slightly mixed close. Yesterday's forecast for southern Brazil included rain for next week and suggested a change in the general weather pattern. Today's update dried out and looks drier. That removed some of the selling interest from bean futures. March bean futures opened slightly higher rallied solidly into early trade and then gave up the price gains to close below the opening range near session lows march beans one and three quarters cents lower 1488 and a half may bean uh beans down three quarters of a penny 1486 and a half july soybeans closed at 1479 and three quarters that's down one quarter of one cent chip as encouraging as the close was yesterday in corn and soybeans and even wheat it was disappointing in soybeans today Mm. Uh, that close below the opening range is not pretty. Well, March cotton was 115 points lower, 86.24. On your livestock, feeder cattle were capped by the gains in the corn market, but live cattle futures erased early losses to close above yesterday's high and near the high of the day. February fat cattle 37 and one half cents higher at 157.85. April cattle up 75 cents, 161.30. March feeder futures 32 and a half cents higher at 183 and 60. And finally on the snout side, front month lean hog futures opened higher and near session highs, then fell to within a tick of support at last week's low before recovering to post a mid-range close. February hogs 47 and one half cents lower, 77.10. April just seven and one half cents lower, 85, 37 and one half. A long trip for the lean hog futures. Yeah, yeah, and the bounce from the session lows is encouraging, but doggone it, I, the, the selling has just been really, really persistent in there. All right, Davis, thanks, buddy. We got Matt Bennett, eggmarket.net, with us sitting right across the table from me. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing real fine, real fine. What'd you make of today's trade? You know, it's interesting. Yesterday's trade, for instance, uh, the soybean meal market was just uh, getting uh, beat up. And yeah. It turns around, and closes ten bucks off the highs. Today, we're up strong, and we close or ten ten bucks off the lows yesterday. Right. Today, we close ten bucks off the highs. Yeah. <laughs> but long story short, I mean, yesterday to see everything in the way that it closed versus where it was trading. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. And then you come in here today, and it's almost like you do a double take. You see corn and wheat up, 
mm-hmm. and then the bean markets doing nothing. Yeah. You know, so it's it's kind of surprising. I do think that the uh, export uh, sale, uh, the surprise announcement, is definitely gives a little bit of fuel for corn, uh, but it just seems to me like this market wants to stay range bound. I mean, you look at how tightly cold that March chart is. I mean, it's like a six or seven cent range on yeah. all moving ranges. I don't remember the last time I saw it yeah. that tight. It seems like it just keeps getting tighter. Yeah. You know, we're getting really close to that month, February. Yeah. Um, a year ago, Russia's invasion of Ukraine just knocked volatility out of the park in that last week of the month. Mm-hmm. This year, we've got the op- – if we could just hold those markets, those new crop markets yeah. steady – in through the end of February, we'd have some awesome spring prices and low volatility. That's that's the key. Yeah. Is, is that, you know, if we can get the 590, now whenever I look at this from my vantage point, you know, I talk profit margins all the time, 590 isn't quite as good as last year's 590 because even though last year's fertilizer prices peaked really strong, you know, uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of the year, uh, most people have more money in the 23 yeah. crop. Yes. they do is 22. Okay, we, that's, that's the start of a really good conversation that Matt and I are about to have. We're going to talk about that outlook for the 2023 crop, and we'll talk about whatever else is on the priority list for Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. We'll do that next right here on AgriTalk from Top Producer Summit. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. <laughs> if the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk in Nashville, Tennessee, for the Top Producer Summit 2023. Uh, we had Matt Bennett from AgMarket.net in here for the uh, uh, little bit of perspective on today's price action, and we launched right in talking about what it might mean for the 2023. You've been doing a lot of traveling, Matt, a lot of talks, uh, conversations from the countryside when it comes to the new crop. What what does it sound like? You know, I, I think there's a lot more angst right now than there's been in a long time, just due to the fact that profit margins have eroded compared to what we saw in 21 and 22. I've been writing about this here and there. 21 and 22 profit margins were so robust that people yeah. are taking a look at $100 an acre profit that they can lock in right now, and they're saying, oh, it's a bunch of you know what? Yeah. I'm not going to lock that in. And so I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should remember back to 2015 through 19 when we would have loved to see $100 an acre net profit. And so I've been telling people, hey, you know, this old crop situation versus a new crop, those are two different situations. 
the January report, what it did was it gave us a, a lifeline for old crop corn. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of dragging along new crop to where it, it's staying steady. But what you saw is 185 million bushels of demand lost. Right. That's not something that just magically reappears right. without what? Price Price setback. setting back. You've got to go back and chase that right. demand down again. So, you know, as a producer, yeah, I know you don't want to lock it in here, but a flexible strategy to where you can still participate, at least to an extent, makes a lot of sense to me. And I've been telling folks, you know, if the market goes on up, if it shoots on up, yes, we're all going to pat each other on the back. Another great year. It's great. Whatever. Yep. Right? Right. But what happens if it goes lower? Do you yep. have a plan? Because if it goes lower, there's going to be some long faces. Yeah. And people are going to stand around six months from now saying, what in the world were we thinking about? And I want to try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah. And I think, I think Monday showed us how vulnerable we might be to a price setback and not just a temporary thing, but uh, a grind to the downside if we get that Brazilian corn crop. If we get the 150 plus Brazilian bean crop, and, the, and then of course the Safrina corn crop. Right. Just look at the way that the air's been let out of this no bean situation. Yeah. You know, I, a week ago, I was putting a, a, a deal together with it was just a three way strategy to try on maybe 20% of bushels, but a $14, $12 put spread versus okay. a $16 call is running around 40 cents or so. I mean, that thing today, you know, you can't even think about it because beans aren't even 1340. Right. You know, I mean, we've just digressed significantly. You look at the chart on no beans and, uh, you know, Brian's a guy on our team that is the chart guy. Yep. But I'm smart enough to look at that no chart and it don't look good at right. all. And so we're below all of your support. Um, I'm not saying beans are going, you know, wearing a handbasket. I'm just saying that 1340 beans, how many times have we yep. gotten a chance to hedge 1340 beans and they, before we plant them? Yep. We haven't. Yep. And so why in the world are we sitting here saying, boy, that's not good enough for me? Well, and do you look at it as an opportunity to maybe hedge against a setback in February and a drop in the spring price below where we're at? Right, right. If nothing else, lock in some insurance prices on yeah. a portion of bushels. And so that's one thing that we were pretty aggressive with earlier is not necessarily getting into uh, just absolute sales, but we did uh, oh, 10 to 20%, depending on the producer, of HTAs. You know? okay. I'm going to let someone else carry that hedge. Yeah. Good luck with that moving forward with interest rates going up because the HTAs yep. are probably going to get a little more expensive, side note. But uh, to get us to like a 50% protected level, then we just set it, step in there, and buy like a $6 mark short did to put, okay. finance it with a $7 call. At the time, it was running about a nickel. I mean, that's cheap coverage. And what it did was it locked in an insurance price as good or better than what we saw a year ago. We did similar stuff with soybeans. So the bottom line is lock in uh, revenue, lock in revenue assurance, you know, with your insurance, if if you will. Uh, Just do something. But I think sitting here, you know, you look at these prices as of Jan 1, and I, I know you know this, but... Nov and July beans highest we've ever seen as of Jan one this yeah. year, and July beans was by buck fifty one. Yeah, that's substantial. It, and then that's Discorn <laughs> highest we'd ever seen as of Jan one. And so, with that being the case, you and I don't know if we're going up, down, or sideways. Right. But we do know that that would suggest maybe we need to be paying close attention to what yeah. can we do to keep a hold of these things. Yeah, yeah, and especially if the old crops start to fade a bit. Right. As as they go looking to build up some demand again. So right. hey, you, you made reference to the 21-22 crop revenue. I'm sure that there are some people out there that kind of, oh, come on, Matt. Because that 22 crop, if you didn't have the bushels, yep. the revenue stunk. Yep. Yep. But it didn't stink as bad as if prices would have been lower. Right. Right. And so would I rather have a really crummy crop? 
whenever prices are high or low. Well, I'd just soon have it when prices are high, especially if I'm in an insurance situation. Yep. I do know there's some producers in parts of the Corn Belt that can't get insurance like some of us can get. For instance, in the I states, I totally understand that. But as a whole, when you look at the U.S. producer, 21 and 22 might be overall two of the most profitable back-to-back years we've ever seen. Yes. Or ever yep. will see. And so we've got to pay close attention, uh, in my opinion. Yep. Okay. So when you look at 23 and you start thinking about the acreage mix, are you leaning one way or the other? Yeah, I just want to quantify that this is me, uh, ag market. We haven't we haven't got a chance to talk about it. I know the other guys are probably fairly close to me. In my presentations, I'm using 91 and 88. Okay. 91 corn, I think uh, a lot of revenue in places was generated with corn. We know that. I think that the I states, you may see some corn on corn again. Uh, but at the same time, I'll tell you what, 63 bushel beans in Illinois. Yeah, it wasn't 66 like the USDA said previously. But look at what your net income per acre was on soybeans in a state like Illinois. Uh, and so here's the thing. I think you're going to get over 90. I just don't think you're going to get wildly out of control. And you're seeing this underlying support from the renewable, the, the mm-hmm. extra crush, in my opinion, is con- continuing uh, to kind of rear, rear its head in a, in, a, in a quiet way. And I think moving forward, you're generating demand. Uh, 88, in my opinion, is a pretty ser- safe number. If you look at the balance sheet on beans domestically, it's tight. Oh, it's, yeah. It's very tight. Corn's 4.8. Very tight. You, you added a bunch of wheat acres on the January report. Mm-hmm. And with the moisture we've had recently, maybe you, let, maybe you still hold on to those acres. If that's the case, getting to 180 might be a bit of a struggle. So okay. I don't think, you get, above, I was I don't think you get above 180 with, with, with wheat acres where they're at. It's going to be a stretch. Un- unless we see a bunch of abandonment. Unless you see Early, a bunch in of the abandonment. Spring. And I would have said before all this moisture the last six weeks that yeah. we probably would see it. Uh, this system we're getting this week is finally going to get some of the driest areas that have missed out. But large parts of Nebraska and Iowa finally got rain. Are they totally replenished? No. Uh, but we're certainly in a better situation than what yeah. we were. Yeah. We could lose 3 million acres of cotton from last year. It's possible. I mean, it's possible. Uh, you know, we've looked at that. And, uh, you know, where's that going to go? Probably most of it to soybeans, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. And so maybe you do get above 180. But we sit around here with high commodity prices this last year and thought, oh, some of these guys were talking 182, 184. Yeah. We can't get above 180 worth of darn. It's so a I th- battle. I think with input prices where they're at, you're really asking for a lot to get above 180. Okay. Yeah, you know, right. because some of your marginal acres, are you going to be able to go out there and throw five, six hundred dollars, no. you know, at a corn crop? It's, that's a tough road to hoe if you're looking at 120, 130 bushel corn. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm getting serious about trying to figure out exactly where I think the the acreage mix is going to be because I, I'm with you. 180 felt like the top. Yeah. It, we weren't going to get above that. And then I start thinking about the cotton acres. And then I start thinking about the winter wheat acres in the eastern corn belt, the SRW acres, and those being double crop over to soybeans. So maybe that helps you. You can talk yourself in circles over these acres. Yeah, you can. And I, I think I, there's no doubt you can do that. But uh, And who knows? Nobody really knows. No. But the thing is, is I think to shift it just a shade, I think next year corn acres and bean acres are probably going to be closer yet. Yeah. I'm not so sure within a couple of years that corn acres are going to struggle to be above bean acres, given that tug of demand that we're going to see from some of these. I mean, you're talking about increasing the crush by 33 percent in this country. Exactly. That's a big deal. And, you know, you talk to the guys in the in the northwest production areas, South Dakota, North Dakota, where all that crush capacity is coming online. And they keep talking about growing more corn because of the feed market for the hogs and the dairies that are coming in. 
Yeah, absolutely. I do think <laughs> I do think it'll be interesting as you're crushing all these beans. Uh, you know what? There's going to be a lot of meal available. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be it, really, it, readily available supply, and I think it'll yeah. be somewhat relatively pri- uh, cheaply priced. Okay, we got a minute left here. Is all. Okay. It, it, give give the listeners your last thought on the new crop. What? your general thoughts Uh, we have to lock in some worst case scenarios i like flexible strategies people may roll their eyes but it might be something just as simple as hta and some corner beans buying yourself a call to participate at least in a portion of the of of the rally but don't sit here and do nothing when your margins have shrunk to a level that could be catastrophic if the market goes on down yep yep i used to worry about the eye rolls yeah I don't worry about them anymore. Yeah. My wife gives them to me every day. Oh, so. yeah. You get so used to them at home, you don't even think she, about I it. I deserve it, but well, she does <laughs> give me an eye roll. I got to quantify that because if she's listening, I'm in big trouble. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. But it is absolutely the truth. And and it's, it is a case of tough love. I mean, we want everybody to do well out there. And you've got to at least take a look at those marketing opportunities. Even if the 22-year wasn't everything that you hoped it would be, you still got to push the pencil on that 23 Don't base crop. 23 on 22 and 20. Absolutely It'll not. jack you up if you do. That's exactly right. Great job, Matt. Thank Appreciate you. you so much. That is Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Okay, we've got a trio from the National Corn Growers Association in here. We're going to be talking about GMO corn. We're going to be talking about biofuels. We're going to talk about whatever these three want to talk about. It's coming up next here on AgriTalk from... Top producer seminar, Summit. Summit, Joe. Summit. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier kept his Argentine corn and soybean crop estimates unchanged, saying he will monitor weather developments before any additional adjustments. U.S. trade officials relayed grave concerns with Mexico's approach on biotech crops, saying it's still not grounded in science, according to a statement released after their meeting. The U.S. government confronted China with evidence suggesting some state-owned companies may be providing assistance for Russia that feeds into its war effort with Ukraine. Eurozone business activity made a surprise return to modest growth in January, adding to signs the bloc may escape recession. And House Speaker Kevin McCarthy issued the new GOP roster for the House Rules Committee. He made a good and made good on his pledges to give his conference's hard right three positions on the panel. Get more news at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. 
We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. All right, welcome back to Nashville, Tennessee Top Producer Summit. This is AgriTalk. We're glad to be down here providing some coverage and talking to the people that are involved in the event. And uh, uh, National Corn Growers Association has a, is part of the event, one of the sponsors down here, and is uh, talking with a lot of growers. And, and you bought quite the team here, you guys. We've got Kelly Newenhouse from the Iowa Corn Promotion Board. Kelly, it's good to see you again. Great to be here. Jim. Yeah, I think one of the last times I saw you, you were on the other end of a halter of a 1,500-pound <laughs> steer at the Iowa State Fair. Yep, that was a lot of fun showing at the Governor's Steer Show. Yep, yep, it sure was. It certainly was a lot of fun. We've got Chris Edgington, chairman, is that right? Chairman of the National Corn Growers Association, media past president of the NCGA up there in north central Iowa. Chris, it's good to see you. Good to see you again. All right. And Julie Bussey. Julie is the NCGA Director of Renewable Fuels. Julie, welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be, it's weird to be on this side of the mic. I would imagine <laughs> because you and I and Joe have worked together for a very long time when you were in a different role at NCGA. And now here you are in this newly created position. Director of Renewable Fuels. Tell us about it. I'm really excited to be a part. Well, I've been at NCGA for five years. Yeah. Uh, background in communications, so I got to work in ethanol and then animal ag and new uses. We had an opening at the organization of Director of Renewable Fuels, so my focus is not so much on the policy side as the market development side. Okay. So think infrastructure, that's my focus. Communications, also a big focus of my role. So excited to be here and support uh, these great growers in the room. Yeah, awesome. The The... the the development of the infrastructure, there's so mm -hmm. much money available out there right now. It's part of the expansion getting to E15, year-round availability yep. of E15. That's got to be very close to the top of your priority list, isn't it? Oh, 100%. That and Next Gen Fuels Act, I mean, yep. those are our two primary focuses. But, you know, E15 right now, time's running out. So yeah. we've got to get something figured out for this year and look for a permanent 2024 fix. So those are certainly two things at the top of our agenda to, to make sure we get finalized very soon. But then also real quick, I'll say, you know, I call it the chicken and egg, right? Like mm -hmm. you can have this great policy in place, but you need the infrastructure in place as well yeah, when the policy gets passed. So working with uh, our fuel dispenser infrastructure program, which has been a great program for us the past six years with Wayne fueling systems or Dover fueling systems, we've got 90,000 pumps placed in the marketplace in cool. that six years. They used to be up to E25 certified back in November. They were um, announced that we're up to E40 percent. So that's awesome. It's just another way for us to hopefully soon grind more corn. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Kelly, on the, the Next Gen Fuels Act, we got some good news from an engine maker here just recently, didn't we? Oh, we certainly did. Just two days ago, GM announced $854 million investment in new engine technology and its internal combustion engines. Yep. And you know, our Next Generation's Fuels Act is focusing on the mid-level blends. And our, our goal there was to entice the auto industry to build uh, high compression engines that need low carbon, high octane fuel, yeah. which an E30 blend would be perfect for. So. Yeah. Um, you know, the internal combustion engine is not dead, and it's obvious when an uh, auto industry is going to invest $854 million. Yep. And normally when they make those announcements, it's for five years from now. Yep. They're usually five years ahead of their plans. So yep. uh, there's a lot of positive future for the biofuels industry through that. Yeah. Chris, we, we've been talking about the EVs and the electric vehicles taking over. Um, th this 
is the first kind of dose of reality in engine technology going forward that I've heard in a while. You know, it is. And, and one of the things, we've been trying to talk about this. I yeah. mean, we've been on this game with, with the auto, Ag Auto Ethanol Alliance and working on that, that, that uh, internal combustion engines are going to be here for a really long time. Yeah. We can get better. They can be more efficient. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. And ethanol is a player in that efficiency improvements that we can we can scratch so many boxes and say we can do that from, from our standpoint as a farmer, from the internal combustion, the whole piece. Electric vehicles, um, you know, th- they will probably survive and be around and, sure. and become their, what they are for some people. Uh, but we, we're going to get there with some advancements in internal combustion that uh, will help. And maybe this has pushed us. Maybe this will speed up our process. This makes me think the Next Gen Fuels Act has got a chance now because it, without the support of the automakers and the engine makers, I didn't feel like it had a chance. This raises my optimism by a ton. Well, it's the first clear signal from the auto industry that they're behind us on yeah. the Next Gen Fuels Act. No question. Yeah. This is exciting, Kelly. Oh, it is. You it's know, you the news that we've been waiting yeah, for. When you have stakeholders like GM that are supportive of the Next Generation Fuels Act, that's a very positive um, momentum situation. And we've got a lot of great stakeholders in this industry. Just the other day when John Deere was talking about the future of biofuels, and the importance of that in their agricultural equipment, yep. too. So there, there's a lot of positives going on, and uh, it seems like the uh, ball is rolling in the right direction. Yeah. Talk about a ball rolling in the right direction. Let's talk <laughs> about sustainable aviation fuel, Julie. Holy smokes, there are some targets being set out there now that are they're, they're, they are game-changing. Yeah, that's certainly an industry that we're definitely watching very closely and engaging with. So we're having those conversations, um, you know, with the, you know, who the big airlines are. We're having those conversations. We're engaging in that because we want to be sure we're at the table and we're a part of that solution moving forward. Um, You know, right now, I'd say definitely the beginning stages, we're all kind of learning, right? But Mm -hmm. that's the key right now is that we're engaged in having these conversations to make sure they know that corn is an affordable, abundant, and sustainable crop that they can count on for sustainable aviation fuel moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, we're, we're at a turning point, aren't we, Chris? With, with with the the direction of our markets, because we continue to lose market share in the exports, it's something that we're fighting to hold on to. I get that, I get that, but boy, the competition out of South America is is as strong as I've ever seen it. It feels like we're domesticating the corn and bean markets because of this fuel. Well, there's no question that is a big piece of, of what's going on. And, and you know, we make 4,000 products out of, out of corn, and, <laughs> and, and I've, I've made the comment that I'd like to see it to be to 5,000. Yeah. Well, obviously, sustainable aviation is one of those pieces. Yeah. Um, but it's why corn has been so engaged in new uses for several years now where we run the contest and, and the award was. And every one of those companies that has won an award from NCJ on new uses in the past is still viable. They're still moving forward, some at different paces, but they're all ways to yeah. use more corn without exporting it, to your point. Yep, yep. Okay, so what we've been talking about is the future and things that are looking really good out there. And then, Chris, we got to talk about an argument that I thought was over decades ago, and that is banning GMO corn in, in Mexico. What in the world? You really wanted to go down that rabbit hole today? Why didn't not? You? We yeah. got we got three minutes. Well, we, but, <laughs> well, I could I could I could sum it up kind of this way. Um, 
we are unified on this side of the border. USDA, FDA, NCGA, anybody, we are unified. We have a fantastic product. It has gone through all the testing. It is time proven. Politically, on the other side of the border, they're, they're trying to improve something. I'm not sure what. I don't think it's the cost of production for their, for their producers. No. I don't think it's the cost of food for their consumers. So we're not sure what they're trying to really trying to help. Um, but, you know, you saw an announcement this week. The US, we, are, we have a trade agreement. There are rules inside of that trade agreement. There are biotech agreements inside of that trade agreement. We, the USDA, National Corn, and everybody else that's involved, USTR, we are standing by that. It, it, we don't know where it'll go. We've never had a court case, that, to my knowledge, inside of the USMCA framework. We could be headed to that. Yeah. How serious is Obrador, Kelly, the Mexican president? It, it seems like it's a personal goal of his. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a shocking situation. Like you said, we thought we had dealt with this and it was over with a long time ago because we got all the facts behind and the, the safety yeah. of GMOs. And, and uh, yeah, it's just I think he had um, followers that uh, that helped his momentum in politics. Um, you know, I talked to the Secretary of Agriculture from Mexico at the World Food Prize here last oh, summer, and it was yeah. pretty interesting, that conversation, because he totally supported GMO corn. And he knew the importance of that and how much they would lose if they would stop yeah. allowing it to be imported. So, you know, it's kind of a, a, a weird situation, but I think we're dealing it in the right way. And, and like Chris said, everybody you know, on this side of the border is supportive of, of the GMOs and the trade agreements we have. So we've got to continue uh, with that momentum. Okay, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to do this right now, Kelly, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because, you know, you throw one grenade at Chris, you probably had better not throw a second one. But I'll go ahead and toss atrazine at you, too. What's the status? Um, that'll be going to court. Th that's my opinion. Man. Um, I, I have had, actually, Chip, might have been the last time I saw you um, at an interesting conversation in Kansas City, the National Lake Farm Broadcasters, with somebody from the EPA. And um, there, there is definitely a wide process of thought inside of the EPA on atrazine. Okay. Um, and we thought we had had that one settled as well. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously not. And so the odds are it's going back to court again somewhere along the line. There's, first, there's going to be another environmental study and which it's been studied and studied and studied and the studied. The most studied chemical in <laughs> and, ag history. And so, you know, the argument has been, well, and I'm going to use the five of us in the room, but you and Joe have a different opinion than Julie and Kelly and I, and, and, and I don't read this, the impact studies the way you do. Oh. It's the same information, but you read one interpretation and I read the other. And here we are again. Yeah. And again. And again and again. Well, I know NCGA is going to keep up the fight on that one for sure, for sure. Guys, it was sure a pleasure having a conversation with you today. Thank you so much. You okay? Can I get, can I get you a drink later or something? Calm down yeah, a little yeah, bit. Just, he might just need a little one. bit. You know, I mean, okay. I've been really good all day. Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out there. Chris Edgington, Kelly Newenhouse, Julie Bussey. We'll be back from Nashville in a moment. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Chip, what's, what's the weather like down there? What's it look like down there? It's a little cloudy today. The sun cloudy? was shining earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, we've got a system moving in. I've already gotten uh, received the warning from... The airline saying that there's some going to be some severe. I don't know. I could be stuck here for I, I don't know a week. Uh-huh. I, Davis, uh, there- you know I, I'm I'm going to send for my wife and she's going to come down and we're just okay. going to spend the next week down here because I can't travel home. I think there are worse places you could be uh, <laughs> stuck than Nashville, Tennessee. No, I think so too. I think yeah. so too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, everybody thinks about the bar scene and the. Uh, and the entertainment and everything, which is fantastic. The entertainment is just crazy. But, you know, when I'm down here, you know what I'm doing. I'm looking for the, the food spots. Well, sure. Uh, there, is, uh, there is fantastic dining and eating in, uh, in Nashville. You don't really want to ask Joe about that after his experience last night, but oh, no. I had a great experience. Yeah, oh, no. I had a great experience. Was he yeah. forced to eat vegetables? Is that what it was? No. You can't Sir, all we serve that. is broccoli. No! You, you're not going to be able to force that on him? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I didn't eat the vegetables, but the cow or uh-huh. cattle that uh-huh. became the hamburger I ate was forced to eat vegetables called grass. Grass oh. only. Grass only. So, you know, that could be a topic of discussion as well that we Mm -hmm. could get into. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit about what Matt Bennett had to say. Okay. Um, And here's the thing. You, You said this and he agreed, or maybe he said it and you agreed. It was said, you know, and it's true. Doggone it. We, beloved listener, want the best for you. And sometimes that means telling you some hard things. Some yeah, uncomfortable some things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. For example, here's one: don't base your 23 decisions on 22 and 21. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah. kind of a, a good spot. We sort of wrapped up with that thought there. I thought that okay. was a good spot to wrap it all up. And and when when Matt said that, it mm-hmm. took me back to a comment from Rick Brock earlier yes. this month. Yes. When when he said, listen, don't look at the 2022 chart and expect to see a repeat performance. Yep. Okay. So um, in, in other words, the expectations going into the growing season are going to be that we're going to grow a big enough crop that we are going to bring some cushion to the supply side 
of the market. If we do that with as much damage as we have already done to the demand base and the export demand base in particular, the market is going to go in search of some demand. Mm -hmm. And that is just a really nice way of saying lower prices. Yeah. Um, one thing that he said as a side note, and I don't know if you want to get into this or not, or even know what he was, what he meant by it, but the quote was, HTAs are going to get more expensive. That's yeah. just a side note. And he moved on. Hedge to arrive yeah. contracts going to get yep. more expensive. How big a deal is this? You want to talk about that? It's, you bet. I can, I can get into that real easy. And it's the interest rates because the, the elevator, when you do an HTA, the, the elevator, whoever you're using, puts on a short position in futures on your behalf. That is the hedge part of an HTA, hedge to arrive. The to arrive part of it is indicates that it is a cash market transition. So you are promising future delivery of a physical crop, the corn, when you establish an HTA. It's a position in futures, okay? Mm -hmm. Later you're gonna set the, the basis on it, which will lock in your final selling price. But until that position is squared up mm -hmm. the elevator is going to be working with some with, with a line of credit and that the interest rate on the line of credit obviously is higher therefore their costs of offering that hta are higher than what they were for like the past 10 years mm -hmm. so yeah instead of getting an hda for maybe two three cents a bushel it's probably going to be four five maybe five or six cents per bushel going forward okay very good um he he was looking at 91 million acres of corn 88 mm -hmm. million acres of beans but he also threw out this idea we've been looking at potential bean demand accelerating with the with the uh the renewable yeah. diesel the biodiesel and whatnot he he was talking about bean acres to overtake corn acres yeah. at some point in the not too distant future are you in agreement with that i don't know yet um but Clearly, that is the direction that, that is the trend, uh -huh. okay? Um, the, the, the reason for my hesitation is when, when we think of renewable diesel and we think of uh, sustainable aviation uh, fuel, mm -hmm. the mind automatically goes to soybean oil. The SA, ethanol has a huge play in the sustainable aviation fuel, okay? That is not a bean oil only. Uh, the, the ADM's eth ethanol facility down there in Cedar Rapids, they've got an agreement with, uh, with, with one of the makers of SAF and mm -hmm. a huge portion of their ethanol production down there in Cedar Rapids is gonna be going to SAF if it's not already, okay? So it's not not just uh, a bean oil play here is the bottom line yeah um just real quickly back to the marketing if it goes lower there's going to be some long faces uh bennett also talked about you know be prepared for the potential the worst case scenario be flexible and said could yep. be could be catastrophic yep. yeah yeah because if all of a sudden we've got a 
the, the big increase in the Brazilian corn crop and the big increase in the Brazilian bean crop, and then we throw on top of it a combination of 181, 182 million corn bean acres combined and trend line yields, all of a sudden your global stock situation starts to loosen up. And when it does, yeah, look out again, the U.S. market is going to have to go in search of demand. Just a nice way of saying lower prices ahead. Indeed. Indeed. So I don't know if it's this year or not, but eventually, eventually, hey, you know, farmers are going to do the same thing as the Fed. Everybody's shooting for a soft landing in these markets. Thank <laughs> you so much for listening to us today. Appreciate it. We're going to be back in Nashville tomorrow. Sam Taylor from Robbo and Shea Folks from A View Solutions. <laughs>